Hi, and welcome to Meet My Followers, episode number 57 from March 10th, 2011. I'm your host, Kate Dworkin, and this is the podcast where I interview my actual Twitter followers. Today's guest is Caleb Elston, at Caleb Elston, and at Yobongo. This week's episode is brought to you by Interactly. Interactly takes the guesswork out of mastermind group creation. You can get paired up with entrepreneurs, office folks, CEOs, whoever you need in order to benefit you and your career. We can hook you up with them. So head on over to interact.ly to get started today. My guest today is somebody who uh, actually Gary Vaynerchuk threw kind of me at his product, and then I got to interact with uh, Caleb a little bit. His name is Caleb Elson. He is the founder or co-founder and CEO of Yobongo. Caleb, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's great to be here. Well, Caleb, you know we'll talk about Yobongo and all the things that are going on there, but uh, you know before we get to, too deep into the business and and why I think that you're doing something that's pretty pretty darn cool. Um, I would love to, to get a little background on you. So who are you? Yeah, so uh, I am uh, a transplant from Connecticut and Miami. I'm in San Francisco now, but uh, I am a product guy at heart. So I am obsessed with creating really great uh, user experiences and design um, and making technology that tends to be pretty complex uh, much easier for people. Um, and so I went to school at the University of Miami. I left uh, in my sophomore year. I, I quit early um, to go work at a startup in Miami, um, and I was there for two years. I then came out to California and joined uh, Justin TV, which is one of the largest live video streaming services in the world. Mm-hmm. And I led the product team there uh, on our web products and our mobile products. And uh, I then decided to start Yobongo um, full-time about six months ago and uh, am the CEO and co-founder uh, with my fellow co-founder, David Casper. And uh, we've been working on that since and uh, plan to work on it for a very long time in the future. Yeah, it's definitely a, a very interesting product, but I, I do want to talk just a little bit more of a kind of about your kind of path to this. I mean, how did you get started in, you know, the, the technical side or just involved in the internet side? I mean, was there an initial hook somewhere in college or? Yeah. So actually both of my parents are, uh, programmers. Uh, so I grew up around technology. Uh, I can remember my dad with his, uh, Intel 386 sort of, uh, uh, pizza box style computer mm-hmm. and DOS and all that. And, um, but I knew early on that I wasn't like them exactly. I wasn't a programmer. I never really got into it. I tried Visual Basic. I tried a bunch of simple ways to get started with programming, but I never really, uh, never really got into it. And so when I got to college, I thought, you know, I'll I'll do something in business because you know I really like I like economics and I like um, I like business in general. But I realized that most people actually hate technology. Uh, they sort of abhor it, and they uh, and and I actually liked it a lot. And so I was sort of at this very interesting intersection between design. I, I actually thought I might become an interior designer. Uh, uh, in, in high school, I worked for a design firm for pretty much all four years. Um, and so it's sort of this interesting connection between design, technology, and business that in college I had a lot of free time during the day mm-hmm. um, coming from a high school where my day was programmed from 6 a.m. until around 10 p.m. Oh, wow. At college – I was done around one or two. 
And so I actually started working with some outsourced developers in India and the UK to try out some interesting little ideas, um, some things around newsreaders and some things around uh, like e-commerce for colleges that would allow you to buy snacks on- online and have them delivered to your dorm. That's good. And I was actually developing that idea out and was presenting it at a local meetup. And a, uh, the CEO of a company called Scrap Blog, which uh, did photo books, uh, saw it and asked if I could come help them out. They were getting ready to launch. I got, uh, I stayed there for March break. Uh, they asked me to come on for the summer. I stayed on for the summer. They then asked me to stay on full time. Uh, that was an interesting discussion with my parents, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> it uh, they sort of came around to it and realized that it was going to be a really great learning experience and um, something that you, you know you don't often have the opportunity to do. And school would always be there for you, um, but this opportunity might not. So. I decided to go for it and uh, started working for Scrapblog full time, and uh, I joined them before I could even drink. <laughs> and uh, two years later, uh, the team had grown to about thirty people from about four or five. So wow, that's that's pretty uh, impressive. As a, as a guy who graduated with my undergrad before I could drink pub- in public, I totally know that feeling of being that super young guy. Yeah, it's strange, right? It's, it's- strange when you go out to dinner with a bunch of people who are five to ten years older than you and you have to order Sprite because yeah. uh, you don't want to you don't want to cause any problems. Yeah, especially with the, uh, the experience that I was getting because I was working at GoDaddy and so people were starting to recognize me, especially because I was working in the legal staff at GoDaddy mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, we, I was going to, you know, an occasional dinner and yep. it was very awkward and uh, I was very fortunate that it lasted only a very short time after I had graduated all of about, uh, I think it was like six weeks. So... But I mean, up until then, it was very weird. And so I, I can definitely associate with that. But uh, so you move out to California. Is that just like a, on a whim kind of decision? Or is that, you know, hey, you got a great opportunity kind of presented to you? Yeah. So actually, one of my great friends uh, at Scrapblog, um, his high school buddy uh, was one of the co-founders at Justin TV. Got it. And so I heard through the grapevine they were looking for someone to help them out on the product side. Uh, sort of started emailing them and, and over sort of about a month period sort of realized that um, it might be a good fit. Uh, they flew me out to interview and that went well and so then decided uh, to join the team and that meant moving out to California. Sure. And how early did you join that team? I mean, like how big was the company? Because I, I seem to remember, it, I know I was reading the tech blogs when Justin.tv actually launched. So yep. I mean, how, how quickly were you a part of that team? So I joined, um, I joined about a year and a half ago. Okay. And um, so Justin TV is a really interesting story because they launched with Justin with the head cam. Yep. And then they very quickly evolved into the idea of letting anyone broadcast live video. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they flipped that switch, growth sort of uh, exploded. Yes. And they spent almost all of their resources and um, expanding the team was focused on making sure the service didn't go down. Mm -hmm. And every time the service was up, uh, it would grow. And so they had one designer for a team of about um, 18 or 20. And so, you know, all the resources were on scaling and back-end engineering. And once they sort of figured out how to get that under control, um, the site hadn't really had much love given to it in about two years. Mm-hmm. And on the consumer web, that's a massive amount of time. Yeah. And so I came in and, and we, we hired some more product designers. 
And we really started to rethink from the ground up, like what the Justin TV experience needed to be uh, today rather than what it was when it was originally conceived. Um, and so one of the first things we did was to redo the broadcasting flow. And we spent about three months redesigning that and rethinking that. And we were able to see a 700% increase in broadcaster conversion wow. from people landing on the homepage to actually starting a broadcast. Push and for Justin TV, broadcasts are the lifeblood, right? Oh, every, yeah. every video leads to lots of video views. Um, yeah. And so that really got the trajectory growing. And then the next big project was figuring out what Justin TV should be for mobile. Um, what do you want in your pocket when you think of Justin TV? And we had worked with some outside firms to take the Justin.tv website and make it mobile, mm -hmm. but those weren't actually very compelling. Um, they were clunky and there was just way too much stuff going on. Sure. So what we decided to do was to just start from scratch and go back to first principles of if you just have live video and chat, what else would you build? Well, when you start with that frame of reference, then you realize that the quality of video becomes really important because on a 3G connection, it might not look very good. So we needed to have adaptive quality. Mm -hmm. And so that meant we had to build an on-the-fly transcoding platform that would take a live stream and transcode it into multiple formats all in real time, which is very different than what a YouTube or other static video site does where Absolutely. they can post-process it, right? Yep. Um, so that was a really big engineering challenge, and we're really good at engineering at Justin TV. So mm -hmm. we started on that you know that notifications become much more important. And so generally, you realize that uh, you can't just take a big web service and cram it into a phone and <laughs> expect greatness. Yes. Um, you really want to go back and, and start from scratch and think about what would you do if you were trying to beat your own service today from mobile? And that really got my brain in this mode of seeing the world through the lens of there's lots of amazing things that have been done on the web in the past that haven't yet been rethought for mobile. Mm -hmm. And so that was the context that was sort of floating around in my head when I realized that there's a lot of services that help you connect with the friends you already know yep. um, and reinforce that. Uh, and we've seen that trend over the past two or three years um, and getting more and more specialized into networks, networks for just your designer friends, networks for your friends who love pets. You know, there's all these sub-social networks. Mm -hmm. But there's a very fundamental need to create new relationships and new connections in the world. Yep. And that it's a very simple statement, but everyone who's your best friend today wasn't was a stranger at some point. Yes. And so there's a process you go to go through from being a stranger to being someone who you care about. And we're really interested uh, exploring that space. And technology hasn't done a great job of helping reduce that friction. Mm -hmm. And that's what technology is normally fantastic at is reducing frictions in services that are uh, something you do a lot and, uh, and should just be made a lot easier. Well, and, and I think that, that this is where... You know, 
Gary was so excited about, you know, your service and he sent it over to me in an IM kind of middle of the night when he right. knew I was awake because, you know, I'm three hours behind him. And he was just like, when I get it, when I get an IM from Gary, it's typically very short and it's, you know, maybe a link and an emoticon. Right. Yep. And, and, uh, when he sits there and he says, I need you to take a look at this like now, but be quiet about it, you know? And that's, that's when I knew it was serious. Like, and so it was very interesting for me to sit there and then look at this and say, okay, wait a second. This is how I started on the web. This is, you know, in a lot of respects, this is AOL chat rooms, but you guys are doing some very interesting things on top of that in order to make it really high value. I mean, do you want to dig into the product now a little bit? Yeah. So uh, basically, Yobongo is a, is a mobile application that lets you communicate with people who are around you, even if you don't yet know them. Mm -hmm. And so we let you open our app. We use your location to determine uh, where you're at. And then we put you with a group of people, about 10 to 15, and you can just start communicating with them. And we use chat-style communication uh, on your phone to do that. Mm -hmm. um, we have a very strong emphasis on real people. So we think that by tying, uh, tying the conversations to your real identity mm -hmm. leads you to have the opportunity to, to merge these people at some point into your real friends group. Yep. Because when you think about who your friends are, you don't think of their phone number, you don't think of their IM, you don't think of their Twitter handle, uh, you think of their name and their face. And so there's something very powerful about those, those two things. Uh, and so we, we spend a lot of time reinforcing that. Uh, photos are very important in the app. We also spend a lot of time on making it ridiculously fast to send a message and to, and to have messages come in because... Communication systems are so much about uh, real-time uh, aspects, right? So mm -hmm. when you imagine, uh, a lot of people have seen a video of uh, an interview on CNN with someone who's overseas. Mm -hmm. And when you watch that, that little bit of lag, that 200, 300 millisecond delay, causes the communication to change. Yes. People have to say their entire phrase. They can't actually respond and interject. And so that changes the form of communication to something much more stilted and, some, and something much more push and pull rather than a real conversation. Yeah, it's an asynchronous conversation that's happening simultaneously. It's very interesting right. to watch. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's weird. Um, and so where you want to model Yobongo much more after real world conversations where you can have a sense of someone's going to say something. Um, you can sort of have a sense of their body language. And those are things that are very, very difficult to convey um, through text uh, only. Yeah. Text only. But I think one of the most telling things that we're, we're at least getting close is that people can tell a joke inside Yobongo. And I use that example because jokes are all about timing. Absolutely. And when you know you can control the timing and when someone's going to receive something, it, it, uh, it allows for that to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things that, that I love, I mean, you know, you've seen me crack a couple of jokes in the private beta room, right? Yep. And, and yep. what I loved was the fact that everyone saw that, that setup happen and yep. then immediately saw that, you know, I was typing again. So they, knew, the that, they knew it was coming. It was just yep. a matter of how quickly my fingers could get it done on my iPhone, which was, yep. and, and everybody in the room kind of stops and waits and because they know it's coming. Yep. And so they allow it to happen. And it is absolutely fascinating that you made that, that product and development choice to include those types of little features, those little touches that go 
so much further into showing kind of the nonverbals of communication in a very nonverbal platform. Yep. Very I think, interesting. Yeah, I think we certainly – like what's interesting to us is that uh, there are a lot of features in Yobongo that if you were to write them down on a, on a spec sheet, they wouldn't stand out. That we have this idea of who's typing. And not only do we show one person typing, but if there's multiple people typing, yes. we show that. And it gracefully transitions from them typing to fewer people typing and whatnot. Mm -hmm. That's one. Um, the way that the keyboard slides up and the text field expands if you type more than one line um, also wouldn't necessarily stand out. And we had to do that custom because the default iPhone behavior is to wrap text mm -hmm. and we make it expand. Yeah. And the reason we did that, not because it's cool, but because encouraging people to write a little bit more tends to lead to more thoughtful responses. And if you want someone to write a little bit more, they need to be able to see everything they're writing. Uh, and so you need to give them confidence that what they're writing is correct. And so that's why we did it. Mm -hmm. The reason we did the typing indicators is because knowing that someone else is still uh, thinking about something is really important. And it also gets you uh, wanting to stay around and, and keep your attention because you know something else is about to happen. Yep. And that's a very uh, sort of compelling thing to know that there's going to be another message. Um, Robert Scoble sent out a really funny tweet uh, a few days ago about Yobongo and he said, um, Yobongo is extremely addicting. Could you uh, turn off an app if you saw at Gary V is typing? Um, and so it was very funny because it's true. I, yesterday I was at brunch um, and I was trying to get away from Yobongo because the food was just brought to the table. <laughs> and uh, people kept typing. And, and I, I, I couldn't pull myself away because there was more happening. Where in other services where it's completely async, uh, someone sends a message, you read it, and then you think it's done because until you refresh, nothing else will happen. Yeah. And so we spend a lot of time on those sorts of features. Um, and the reason is they lead to the modeling the human behaviors much closer. That if you're in a conversation with someone, uh, you can pick up on those body scent, like the body cues and the and the way their eyes are moving. Yeah. Imagine so much of of internet communication would be as if two people were talking to each other, but their backs were to each other. Mm -hmm. um, that would be a very awkward situation, and that's the way that most internet conversations are. And I think that can let you understand why so many people get into really, really heated discussions about really trivial things online because they, they don't understand where the other person's coming from and you get into a mode of wanting to prove someone wrong rather than to understand their point of view. Absolutely. Could not agree more on, on that one. I mean, I think that that's a really critical piece is that, you know, people misinterpret because of the lack of, of nonverbals, right? You can't understand tone unless there are certain keywords that triggered differently for different people. And so you can't anticipate that in a comment on a blog sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's something that's a real challenge. And I think that, that um, I think it's a challenge that is still yet to be defined. I think that there are a lot of great companies out there working on it. And I think that there is something to the way that, that this is done in real time that I think is really interesting uh, that could be very kind of um, 
useful in, in how you can convey emotion through the way that you guys are doing it. I mean, you know, and the last little product feature that I absolutely loved in, in the, you know, my playing with it and you saw me, it was literally on my phone the night, I think you sent it over to me and I was like on it for 72 straight hours yeah. uh, was the, the private messaging system. I love yep. the way that it decks up and it cleans up when it needs to. And when you go into that, you can see all your private discussions and they're persistent, which I think is one of the most important things that most iPhone apps get wrong. So can you talk about the decisions on how you kind of got through that portion of it? Yes. So um, so we've been talking mostly about the fact that you talk with people who you don't yet know mm -hmm. in this group conversation. But one of the really important pieces to Yobongo that makes it uh, a durable service for you and, and makes it something that you can use uh, throughout the day um, is this idea of private conversation. So if, uh, if I find someone interesting uh, who's saying fun things in the conversation, I can tap on their photo and then I can send them a private, a private message. And that switches the UI in a sort of fun way that all of the photos of the people in the private and uh, in, in the public conversation collapse. And your private conversations expand out in the sort of top bar that we have, and um, it behaves very similarly to the to the group conversation where you can see when someone's typing, but you no longer need to be online at the same time, and you also don't need to be in the same location, and so it becomes this way to communicate with someone that is uh, irregardless of time or space, and. It's different than I am. It's different than text messages. It's different than email. Mm -hmm. It's this sort of interesting hybrid of communication where it's very, very direct and yet still very personal. Um, and the expectations are that you'll get to it when you get to it. Um, but it, it seamlessly transitions from being an asynchronous communication to synchronous. So, for instance, if uh, you're offline and we're going to go meet up for drinks, I can send you a, a Yobongo message that's like, hey, Cade. Uh, I'm about 15 minutes away from the bar. Mm -hmm. See you soon. Yep. You get that message as a push uh, on your iPhone. You open it up. I might now be back in the public room sort of just talking with people about where I'm going. And then I see that you just sent me a new message saying, cool, see you then. Yep. I can pop in and I can see that you're still typing. And now you and I are chatting in real time uh, and continuing the conversation. It, it is so – I'm sorry to cut you off here because I think that this is something that is so critical, right, is now right when I've received that push notification and I open up the app to see this, I am now in a context where I want to talk and I yep. want, I'm in that position. Even if I you know, ignore the push notification initially and it's 10 minutes after I initially receive it, it's now I know that there's a conversation there for me to pick up on. Yep. And that is a key component where it's like Twitter, I just assume the stream is there. Facebook statuses, I assume the stream is there. If it's really important, it's going to be a message and it's going to eventually hit my email inbox. Yep. This is really smart in the way that it segregates the communication aspect completely out of that workflow for me, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you. We, uh, we're, we really like it. You know, Ever since we implemented that feature a few months ago internally, um, uh, David, my co-founder, and I have pretty much stopped using text messages, and not as a result of us wanting to kill text messages because it's not a great text message replacement. You know, mm -hmm. push notifications aren't the most reliable system. You know, when you get a notification, they stack on top of each other and you miss them. But there's just so much value in being able to go from the asynchronous communication to the synchronous that it makes up for all those deficiencies um, 
that text messages do pretty well on iPhone. And the other amazing thing is that I don't have to think about someone's phone number or any sort of other system. If I want to send you a message, I just tap on your photo and I'm sending you a message. And so it removes so many layers of abstraction and sort of haze between communication that we don't have any sense of following people or friending people in Yobongo Mm -hmm. because it's all about communication. And so if I want to communicate with you, I just send you a message. If you don't want that message, you can ignore me or just ignore the message or block me if I say something that's sort of inappropriate to you. Mm -hmm. But I shouldn't have to friend you and then you accept and then we send messages because that's sort of not the point, right? You don't walk up to someone in the real world and say, hey, can I be your friend? Or even better, can I get your phone number? Or can I get your phone number before I before I talk to you, right? I just yeah. go up and I say something to you and you can choose to ignore me and sort of walk away or, or respond. Yeah. And you could respond with, hey, cool, let's talk later and then walk away. Sure. Um, and so we really spend a lot of time thinking about like what are the human interactions that we want to try and emphasize or de-emphasize inside Yobongo to better create a system uh, for today rather than things that we've done as a result of what technology has allowed in the past. You know, fundamentally, the mobile phone communication systems are still antiquated. They're still based on this idea of a switchboard from 50 or 60 years ago, mm-hmm. where you have a phone number and it patches you through to some other person. Text message are that, but with some text, right? Like a typewriter. Yeah. And um, they are not really thought through for today. And we just think there's so much opportunity to reimagine how that all works. And so not only do you get to have fun exploring that sort of problem, but then you get to explore this problem of how do you create more connections in the world? And how do you remove the friction and anxiety and sort of social awkwardness around going up to someone and introducing yourself? Mm -hmm. There's a really simple fact that like in a large city, there are thousands of people who would be pretty good friends for you most likely. Mm -hmm. But it's very hard to know how you would ever integrate them into your life. And yet the process of adding new friends is a very fulfilling process. And so you're long very hard to make that process less awkward for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of your points was that, and it's true and we think about it, is that when you go into Yobongo, you're signaling that you want to talk. And that's a huge improvement from the way it works in the real world where like you don't wear a badge that says I want to talk to you. <laughs> if you did, that'd be fantastic, but I don't think we can convince everyone in the world to do that. No, so, I don't think so we'll try and get them to use your bongo. Um, but there's also major benefits to, you know, having text means that you don't have to be on the spot really clever with what you're going to say. Sure. You don't have to know what to say next. Being in a group of people makes it easier to say something and have someone else uh, understand what you're, you want to say and hang their ideas on it. And so we systematically think about how do you improve that process. Um, and, uh, and so far it seems to be working pretty well. So we recently launched um, last Thursday, mm-hmm. so about four or five days ago. And um, thank you. Uh, it, was a, it was great to finally get it out to a, to a larger group of people. Um, we've launched it in San Francisco, Austin, and New York City as a way to make sure that uh, the system can scale, that we have strong moderation policies in place to make mm-hmm. sure that bad guys don't overrun the conversation because no one wants that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also really just make sure that 
we are happy with the way that the sort of system and the, and the community is going because we want everyone in the world to have access to it, but we want to make sure that the experience still has a lot of that magic. Uh, in the private beta that we ran for, for a few months, Holy smokes. we saw some really, really cool activity um, and really powerful conversations People actually getting together and meeting up for, for drinks or for food. Um, people talking about real life breaking news. People really sort of acting like themselves rather than performing like they might do on Twitter. Uh, one of the things that's really interesting to note these days is that so many people are now experts in something <laughs> that it causes them to behave differently when they believe that those people who care about them are listening. Yes. And so I've already found myself with just a few thousand followers that I'm more cautious about what I tweet because I think about what what my followers want from me. Sure. Which is very weird, right? Like yep. they were following me, but now I'm cautious of them. Yeah, no, you're you're interpreting in what's known as the listener bias in in yeah. psychology terms. So Yeah, right. It's so you you go from being acting like you normally do, which mm-hmm. is what people want, to now performing. And so it's sort of the observed is never the same yep. as the unobserved. Yep. And Yobongo provides a, an outlet that is unlike that. You, you actually can be like backstage instead of on stage in yeah. Yobongo. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, you know, I know we're getting short on time, so I, I sure. do want to kind of, you know, wrap this up, uh, Sorry. but no, no, no. Hey, I, I love hearing passionate people talk about stuff that they're really on the ball about, right? I mean, this is something that, you know, for me is a personal kind of passion of mine. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it was very interesting in the private beta for the days, that, I don't know, about a week or so that I was in there um, and, and seeing the connections that I was forming with people and seeing kind of web celebrities who I've kind of known through people and then be able to finally get a chance to interact with them and be like, hey, hey, no, this is how we're going to, you know, this is, this is who I know in between us. And, you know, let's talk, let's see what's going on and, and South by is coming up and, you know, who knows? Like, I mean, those are the types of connections that, are going to scale, I think, very, very well on the platform. But, uh, Caleb, I've, I've enjoyed this very obviously, right? I mean, you get me to shut up, and that's, that's saying something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do love to finish every one of these uh, interviews asking the same question, which I never preface my guests for, okay. which happens to be, whose content on Twitter, because this is a Twitter-based show at the moment, uh, do you enjoy consuming on the platform? Whose content on Twitter? Um I would have to say I I get a lot of value. I love putting people on the spot. This is so yeah. much fun for me because now I get to see like, hey, who's really top of mind? I really like I really like Kissmetrics mm-hmm. um, hosts. So Kissmetrics is a company that helps with uh, optimizations of your website. Mm-hmm. And they just tend to find some of the most exciting links about product development, um, really thoughtful posts around um, metrics and how to use them well rather than to sort of use them as a, as a crutch. Um, and so pretty much every link that they tweet out, I end up Instapaper. Instapapering, I guess, is yep. a verb now. Yeah, I know. I, it's a very weird verb, but I do it all the time myself. Yeah. So I really like them lot and i would say for fun i like merlin Mann the best merlin is an amazing person and and i don't know if you've gotten the opportunity to sit in a room with him for an extended period of time i have not yet uh okay um he he actually ended up 
short story here because it's too much fun not to tell this. Uh, Merlin saw me in a shirt while I was at a GoDaddy function with the legal staff logo that I had done for the spam and abuse department. Nice. Love the logo so much. He actually bribed the shirt off my back. So, you know, he actually has a men's like really small because I'm a very slight guy. Uh, <laughs> polo shirt having the GoDaddy spam and abuse department logo on it. So I don't know if he's got it still, but yeah, he and I had spoken and uh, it's one of those things where uh, I-, I hope that you get the opportunity to sit down with him at some point because he is an amazingly fascinating guy. Awesome. Caleb, thank you so much for your time. And I know that we went over, but it's it's great. And, and the best of luck to you in the launch of, uh, you know, the real kind of flashpoint moment or what we hope is a flashpoint moment at South by uh, next or gosh this week now yeah uh, Thursday. yeah exactly I, I'm getting down there Friday morning so uh, you know it'll be uh, it'll be very interesting to see what uh, Yobongo does and uh, I obviously I wish you the best of luck well thank you lot Kate and uh, thanks for for the opportunity to, to chat and share a little bit about what we're doing but uh, yeah we're super pumped for South by so if uh, any of the listeners are going to be at South by Southwest definitely give Yobongo a shot and uh, Tune in. I think I think you'll have the opportunity to brush uh, virtual elbows with a lot of really fun people and uh, get the inside scoop on what's happening. At the very least, if you're in a boring panel, you can at least have some fun. Well, there you have my interview with Caleb. Hopefully, you got a chance to kind of get an, an idea around who he is and who um, what his product is, Yobongo. Uh, please go and download the application if you've got an iPhone. As a personal note, though, I do want to state that I am actually flying out to South by Southwest tonight. And so if you're going to be in Austin over the next few days, follow my Twitter account. Send me an at reply if you've got some time. Uh, I would love to meet someone who is uh, listening to the show on a regular basis. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. I hope to see you back next Thursday.